Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. And this will be episode 18. But first, previously on the Avenging Hour, the living laser robbed a bank just so he could tell us how great he was at everything. Then he kidnapped Wasp and tried to kill everybody. When that didn't work, he led a rebellion in a Latin American country with a single laser cannon. Surprisingly, that failed too. But hey, at least Goliath got his size-changing powers back. And now, episode 18. Issue 36, The Ultroids Attack. This is January 1967. It's a new year. It's a new writer. Man. It's all new excitement. I wish we had party horns to blow. Push that button on our soundboard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> What's the party horns? Oh, wrong button, sorry. We have to make <clears throat> sounds. There we go. Hey, look. Scarlet Witch is back with absolutely no explanation. She just walked back into the mansion like everyone else does. She tells an oddly detailed sob story about her brother being kidnapped by a weird spacecraft that landed in their hometown, despite her best efforts, which probably weren't much efforts at all, and despite the writers trying to convince us that her hex powers are useful, she fails to rescue him. So Wanda used her Avengers priority to bump some poor schmuck from their flight and zipped (laughs) back to New York as quickly as possible. Cap promises to rally the troops, but the first people to show up are Hawkeye and Black Widow. What the heck is she doing walking around the mansion without having to crash through a window? It's like they were having pizza or something up in Hawkeye's room. I hope they had the door open. Turns out Hawkeye wants to nominate Black Widow for membership. Goliath says, no way, Jose. I think that's a direct quote. Can you look that up? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Then Hawkeye pulls his bow and starts mowing off. It's a good thing Cap broke that up or things could have gotten even more passive-aggressive. With that settled, the team crams into an aero car and zooms over to Transia which looks kind of like the Germany section of Bush Gardens. <laughs> they land near the crazy flying saucer, but can't get past its force field. Hawkeye's strongest blast arrows go kawoom, but can't even dent the darn thing. But wait, Wanda remembers a convenient system of caves that run directly under the saucer. Surely they can bypass the force field that way. And surely enough... There's a giant computer down there with the village's Burgomeister attached to it. The computer starts talking to the team, revealing its identity as Ixar from the Star Sun Sirius. Wait a minute, this thing's from a sun? How do you live on a sun? (laughs) You have no comment? You don't want to interrupt my my scintillating synopsis? It tells our heroes that it is there to harvest their powers for its own. And to prove its point, the computer rolls out its prisoners. Quicksilver and... Scarlet Witch? What? Oops! Turns out the Scarlet Witch that knew Captain America's identity and knew how to get to Avengers Mansion and knew enough history to successfully mimic Wanda's life was simply an android created to lure the Avengers into a trap. Goliath is about ready to slug her in the jaw when she lets loose an army of stronger androids called Ultroids. Hence the title of this issue. It gets a bit messy then. A fight ensues. Captain America falls through a floor. Goliath gets zapped. Wasp gets zapped. Hawkeye gets caught in a net. Black Widow starts rescuing people, and then Cap randomly shows back up from the floor he was trapped in. The two of them spend a page and a half trying to crack one of the tubes holding Wanda before they both get zapped too. Ixar warns that the heroes will soon have their powers taken from them forever. Forever? Yeah. Roll call! We did say this was Roy Thomas and Don Heck, right? Yeah, you really can't tell. Uh, Roll call! (laughs) Wasp. Goliath, Hawkeye, Captain America, Black Widow, and a fake Scarlet Witch. We also briefly see the real Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver uh, unconscious in tubes. We learn about the town Burgomeister, which I believe is the Germanic version of a mare. And we see the computer Ixar and his Ultroid androids. Obviously, the first appearance for all of these well-developed characters. 
And after the next issue, never seen again. So... <laughs> we always have to start out with... So... <laughs> There's always a lot of sign. I need to take issue with you. Take issue with my issue? You are including Black Widow in the roll call, but she is not an Avenger. No, I just said she's here. I didn't say she was a team member. Oh, okay. Because she's not yeah, a None team of them actually act as a team, so I just rattled off all the people that are in the issue. They mention early in this, in this issue, they mention X-Men number 27. There's really no reason to mention X-Men 27. <laughs> X-Men 27, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch very briefly show up in X-Men 27. So basically what happens in X-Men 27 is Professor X is looking around for people to join the X-Men, and he asks Wanda and Pietro to join. They say, thank you very much, we appreciate the offer, but we are loyal to the Avengers, and we want to go back there. That's you're, it. You're not giving too much away for our X-Men podcast we're going to do later. It's like the people... By the time we get to that in 2042, people have forgotten all about this. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very short scene. And it, if you look at it from the Avengers' point of view, you'd be like, well, this doesn't even make sense. Why are these two in here? From an X-Men point of view, it kind of does make sense. Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch were in a lot of issues of the X-Men between issues 4 and 11. Between 4 and 11, they were in, I think, all but two of those issues. And so they were a pretty big deal in the X-Men comic book for a while. It makes sense that the X-Men would reach out to them. They were bad guys, though, right? They were, but they parted on good terms. Oh, okay. This is the first time that the Maximoff's home country is actually identified in the Avengers title as Transia, and described as a village in the Balkans. Which is interesting, because Transia was first named a few months before this in Thor number 133. Yes. And it is very much not a village, it is very much a country. Right. Why Wanda calls it a village is one of those things that none of us understand about Wanda. I, I think it has been alternately described as a village and a country. It's in the Balkans. It's at the base of Mount Wondagor. It's been in some general vicinity of Eastern Europe. <laughs> I would like to point out that when the we see the Quicksilver and the Skull Witches, they're ready to leave and head back to America. And apparently because they are leaving Europe, they are allowed to wear clothes that are a little bit closer to what normal human beings wear, <laughs> and no longer have to dress like they're on a, on a in a in a road company version of Pinocchio. They took off the lederhosen and the feathered caps. And Quicksilver is rocking a cravat. He really is. Uh, Smooth look. It is amazing. I he I almost thought he was Tony Stark. It goes well with the wing hair that he has. Yes, I really have very little to say about this. I think it says something about the Silver Age that I never questioned. Wanda's new powers because as we go through this issue the, the Wanda that we talked to that, that we have around is actually this alien masquerading as Wanda and she has some sort of a danger sense yeah like a radar kind and of I saw that and I just rolled my eyes and went oh Silver Age you're killing me here but never suspected it was supposed to be an obvious clue that that's not really Wanda Captain America it's cool I think it is cool that Captain America took it as a clue, because he doesn't know he lives in the Silver Age. Did he at the time? Or did it, was it like pages later when he went, I knew? Oh, pages later yeah, he goes, like, I knew because whatever. of that. Sure you did, buddy, whatever. But it's, it's interesting because the Silver Age has so has made me so immune to this sort of thing. I just assume that it's the writing. Well, plus Scarlet Witch. It takes her, what, another 20 years to actually refine what her powers are. So who knows? She could have just kept adding things left and right. Hawkeye calls Cap Webhead. I caught that. Page 15. You know, I don't know if Roy's trying so hard to be to write like Stan Lee. He's started to replicate the mistakes. <laughs> but what amazes me is that this now goes through an extra set of eyes. So it used to just it used to be that Stan saw it and the, and the letterer saw it. Well, see, that's the problem, though. The person that always makes mistakes is now the editor, too. So he's not going to catch those mistakes. And that's the thing. So now it goes through Roy's eyes and Stan's eyes. And this is why they pick on Artie Semek. He can't catch these mistakes, and he should be. <laughs> you don't think he's actually reading this book, do you? He's insane. <laughs> <laughs> not, not just this book, but however many it is, he letters from Marvel. I have nothing else to say about this issue. I have a little, a few nitpicky things. 
Um, why did they let Black Widow come with them? Is, is she the new Rick Jones of the team? Well, that's a good point, that she could be the new Rick Jones I mean, you, you brought up that she's not a team member, and yet she's in the plane with them flying to Transia. I kind of assume that Hawkeye holds his breath and throws himself on the ground if she can't come. He does seem to be a little obsessed with her, doesn't he? And she really is. It's, you make a good point when she says when you say she's the new Rick Jones. Because Rick Jones was this relatively power... Well, completely powerless. He's <laughs> relatively... Love interest of Caps that he, ins- <laughs> that he insisted come along in every mission, whether he was useful or not. And Black Widow is this mostly powerless love interest of Hawkeye's, who insists comes on every issue. Both of them want to nominate their members for um, membership. Yeah. In the case of the Black Widow, Goliath is upset because she used to be a communist. In the case of Captain America, they were upset because they thought it was uh, against the law. I think Captain America was upset because Rick wanted to nominate himself, too. (laughs) Sit down and shut up, kid. (laughs) Rick Jones was kind of like the Wesley Crusher of the Avengers comics. Have you noticed? I noticed a lot in this issue, the next issue, and I think even the previous two, the team has a lot of one-panel arguments where there's multiple characters in the panel and the first person's angry. And then the second person says something nice to them, and the first person immediately apologizes for being angry. Like, in the same conversation. It's like, it's like the, the, they're keeping a little bit of the friction that was in the, in the early, you know, the 16 to 32 issues, but they're damping it down so it doesn't explode into multi-page. It's, it's more like nobody reacts like that, though. If I'm angry about something and I go, hey, you're being a jerk, and the other person goes, what are you going to do about it? And then Captain America goes, hey, knock it off. And I go, oh, you're right, I'm sorry. Like, nobody does that. Well, nobody reacts like the way any of these people react. <laughs> these people all act like they're on some kind of powerful drugs. <laughs> Everything sets them off on some sort of a rage. They're all on steroids. If this was real, like Hawkeye would be holding a grudge for issues. He would just be irritated that they thought Black Widow wasn't good enough for membership. He wouldn't just go, okay, I'm sorry, you're right. Well, Jason, I think what you don't understand is when you're on the world's premier fighting team... <laughs> We're not time for that. Yeah, well, you learn. These people, are, these people have got your back. It's a united front. That's right. Why would a control panel be booby-trapped? Excuse um, me? Wasp goes to the control panel to try to mess with it somehow, and she gets zapped by the control panel. And she says, oh, the control panel is booby-trapped. Why? Who in their right mind designs a machine that they're going to need? Like, that's like using the keyboard on my computer, and like, if I push the wrong button, I'm going to get electrocuted. Like, why would you do that to yourself? My, my computer's booby-trapped. <laughs> no, that would be great. They're like, He's like, you know, hey, Bob, would you go over and open the bomb, <laughs> the, open the doors? And, <laughs> What's the password? I don't know. Just keep pressing the 8 key. <laughs> <laughs> Bob? Bob? Like, who, who booby-traps their own control panels? Yeah, it does seem like that could be a safety issue. And my overall complaint, and I don't know if I just noticed this because there's a lot of instances where people are alone. Why is it when characters are doing something by themselves, they're almost always speaking in word balloons instead of just thinking the things in thought balloons? It's, I mean, it's, Do that many people in the world really explain out loud to themselves what they're doing while they're walking around in the forest? Or I think at this point in time it's just a conceit of the medium. But it's not... Like, when Living Laser in the last episode was talking to himself, it was thought balloons. It's like when the bad guy's doing it, he's thinking it. But when the good guys, they're saying it out loud because they're all crazy. Well, the bad guy's thoughts are so dark that you can't put them to... <laughs> you can't speak them. You can't put them to words. <laughs> But the good guys are saying, you know, they're thinking things that are bright and, and, and full of uh, full of, of vim and vigor and hail and cheer. And look, it's just a conve- it's a conceit. When, when we do our Spider-Man podcast, okay, <laughs> Spider-Man swings around the city a lot and he thinks to himself. He's at least not talking out loud. He's not swinging down through the city going, boy, I really wish I could have got that guy. 
I bet in the 60s he did something. And taxi drivers are leaning out the window going, wait, what? <laughs> Who said that? Is that on radio? Which is really strange. The 60s are an odd time, and we can't judge them too harshly. A lot of it is the over-explaining. Why? Well, I mean, I could have used an excuse that it was Stan Lee, because he over-explains everything. He explains what the person's doing while they're doing it, and while the artist is drawing what they're doing, he's still telling us what they're doing. But it just irritates me that they're talking out loud. Maybe it's because I have family members that do it, and it irritates me when they're... You ever been in a room with someone who's talking to themselves? And you're like, wait, I'm sorry, were you talking to me? I'm sorry, were you talking to me right now? <laughs> you didn't do that. Oh, I got nothing else. The only thing I want to mention in the letters page is that the letters are now addressed to Stan, Roy, and Don. No, my God, he can't even let go there, can he? He really can't. There's a letter in here where the letter writer, the letter writer is Bruce Walker of Tulsa, Oklahoma, who is talking about the Sons of the Serpent issues. And he mentions that in the Sons of the Serpent issues, he thinks that the the Sons of the Serpent are referred to as as patriots, as super patriots. right. And he gets really offended because patriotism is okay. Uh, What's bad is nationalism. And he feels that it was wrong of Stan to label the Sons of Serpents, the Sons of the Serpent as patriots that way. And I actually liked Stan's response, where he says, uh, We've never knocked patriotism. We'll yield to no one in our love for this wonderful nation of ours. Our only point was that we must beware the fanatic who tries to deprive us of our hard-won liberties, who tries to pit one class against another, one race against another, one man against another, and dares to do it in the name of patriotism. No man who preaches the gospel of hate in, in this, a nation founded on brotherly love, can call himself a patriot. At least not an American patriot. You know I'm going to have to edit all that out because it was too loud. I, I like what's... I mean, it is horribly corny. Did he get off his stand soapbox then? Yes. Wow. I understand what the guy was saying. It's not really... I mean, the Sons of the Serpent can't claim patriotism because they don't... They can claim whatever they want to. Yeah. I just, I Which thought, well, really should irritate people then, but, but that's I thought, kind of the point. I thought it was interesting, and I think it's still relevant today, because I think you have a lot of people today who will cloak... Who misunderstand what that means. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll cloak their feelings of, of xenophobia or whatever in patriotism, and... Uh, you know, it's not. That's not what patriotism is supposed to be about. Are we talking about the current presidential field? I, I, I'm not making a political statement. I'm just saying I think that sadly this letter is still relevant, and I have nothing else. I have one other letter. Uh, Ron McDivitt of Sterling, Illinois, believes that Hawkeye's humor ranks second only to that of Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Uh, what I really enjoyed though was the third season of I Spy when Hawkeye took over for Bill Culp. And it was Hawkeye and Bill Cosby. Great stuff. Hilarious. Yes, they were great together. And it was Robert Culp, not Bill Culp. Oh my god, it was Robert Culp. I also liked when uh, Hawkeye's guest appearances on the Cosby show. <laughs> when he was Theo's friend? Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, I also liked, I think that, that it pretty much though, their friendship ended when Bill Cosby asked Hawkeye for those knockout errors. No, I thought it was I when, when he filled in for him on um, that one episode of Fat Albert. Did you have an MVP? Yeah, sure, yes. Uh, my MVP was Black Widow. Because she hid somewhere during the entire fight and then came out to rescue them? I um, I actually gave it to Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye does better against the bad guys than anybody else. And well, I, sure, he only gets caught by a net instead of getting electrocuted. <laughs> I think that... I think that we can, you can tell this issue, in my opinion, if there's one way this issue to tell this is not a Stanley story, I feel like Goliath is brought back into line with the rest of the characters and doesn't overshadow the book. That's true. Which I'm fine with. Who's your useless character? Who do you think? I don't know. The Wasp. No, mine was Quicksilver. <laughs> he was just in that tube the whole time. At least we got a fake Scarlet Witch who pretended to do something, but Quicksilver, pff, unconscious the whole time. 
Who is this an Avengers level threat? No. Well, we're not really giving much info on no. the bad guys, but I'm gonna have to it's say a computer. <laughs> I'm gonna have to say probably no as well. What's your grade? Uh, C. Yeah, that's what I gave it to. And I'm probably being nice. And again, it's only because there's nothing overtly annoying about these issues. No, it was very middling, and that's why I gave it a C. Nothing good, nothing too horrible. All right, let's move into issue number 37 from February of 1967. This is To Conquer a Colossus. Roy Thomas and Don Heck. Ixar's Ultroids have captured all of the Avengers. The Avengers are placed in clear tubes so that the Ultroids can begin to siphon away their powers, leaving the heroes lifeless husks. The Black Widow, who isn't an Avenger, wasn't expected by Ixar, and so no tube has been prepared for her. The Ultroids just stick her off to the side to deal with later. The Avengers can still talk and hear each other in their tubes, and they begin quizzing Ultrana, the female Ultroid who had impersonated the Scarlet Witch. They want to know what's going on, and she obliges them with a heaping dose of exposition. Apparently, Ixar's race was in a centuries-long war with some other aliens. Ixar was the ruler of his race, and both races involved in the war had begun to build artificial life, the Ultroids, to fight for them. There finally came a time when only Ixar and the other ruler were still alive, as all of their organic subjects had died during the fighting, making them the worst rulers ever. One day, the opposing Ultroids managed to infiltrate Ixar's palace and mortally wound him, so his consciousness was placed in a giant computer. Computer Ixar then came up with a plan to find a race of superhumans and transfer their powers to his Ultroids. The Super Ultroids will then allow him to conquer the galaxy. They finally found such superhumans on Earth, which brings us up to speed. The spaceship housing Ixar, the Ultroids, and the Avengers lifts off for space as Goliath plans an escape from his tube. Goliath shrinks down to ant size and sneaks out of his capsule, then grows back to his ten-foot size and frees his teammates. The Ultroids attack, and the battle is joined. The Avengers triumph, and Hawkeye takes off to look for the Black Widow. As Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch go to free the Burgermeister that Ixar had captured the previous issue, Ixar threatens to kill his prisoner unless the heroes surrender. The Burgermeister urges the Avengers to fight on, they debate the question, and then Ixar proves it was all pointless anyway as he begins to absorb the Ultroids and their energy. Soon the Ultroids have all disappeared, and Ixar emerges in the form of a giant robot, one which contains all the energy of his Ultroids. The Avengers tear into the Ixar robot, and the battle rages for many pages. It's a real page rager! <laughs> Ixar appears to be gaining the upper hand when suddenly we find out that Hawkeye had left the battle to find and retrieve the Black Widow, and the two of them now challenge Ixar. Ixar seems unafraid of the Avengers who have no power, which is a sure sign they're going to kick his butt. However, instead of launching an attack on the robot, Hawkeye targets the Burgermeister, who it turns out is really Ixar himself. Hawkeye threatens to kill Ixar unless he returns him to Earth, but Ixar refuses, knowing that the Avengers don't kill. However, the Black Widow targets Ixar with her Widow's Bite, telling him she's not an Avenger and has no problem killing him unless he agrees to their demands. Ixar agrees to return the Avengers to Earth, dropping them off in Transia, and then heading back out to the stars where I'm sure he'll never do anything evil ever again. The end. Oh, I like how they use the old, uh, I'm not actually an Avenger trope. That comes back time and again. Uh, again and again. The roll call this issue is Captain America, Hawkeye, Wasp, Goliath, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. We have a group of six, the biggest, most Avenger-y group we've had for a while. Um, we also, of course, have the Black Widow running around as well, and our villain is Ixar and his Ultroids. Um, I want you to say Burgermeister again, because every time you say it, I'm reminded of the little drummer boy. Burgermeister, Meister, Burger? Burgermeister, Meister, Burger. Hey, the Burgermeister, Meister, Burger. <laughs> so, 
What power does Ixar hope to siphon off of Hawkeye? The power of sass. He'll have the sassiest robots around. They'll all be fighting for leadership. It's not going to be pretty. I mean, I don't know. For that matter, why, why would his sensors first notice Wanda and Pietro? I mean, he explains that those are the first two that he was that he pinpointed when he scanned the planet. The ones whose powers were probably not even exi- were not even in existence when he first scanned the planet because this happened has to have been months ago. But now, like Thor and Hulk are flying around the Earth, and he couldn't find anyone more impressive to kidnap and suck dry than Scarlet Witch, who doesn't even know what her powers are, and then some fast guy. That's all they got. <laughs> was he going to get Captain America some vaguely enhanced strength? I guess. I guess. It's, it's, uh, this is not a good plan. And is Goliath's size-changing power actually based in his DNA? I don't, it's not, is it? Well, in, in considering that the Wasp, at this point in time, her only powers were, or her only weapons were her Wasp Sting, her and Goliath had the exact same powers. Yeah. So having both of them is pointless. It just seemed like he made this big deal of, oh, we're going to get the Earth superheroes, and these are the six people he picked. Yeah. Nothing more powerful. This, the nebulous Scarlet Witch... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Quicksilver and Goliath are the only ones he should have in his tubes. <laughs> Hawkeye says to Ultrana, Lady, you've been doing a lot of horn blowing for that slanty eyed computer boss of yours. <laughs> what? I Pardon me. Close your children's ears. What the hell? Oh, I love What the hell is that? I love how he actually asks her for an explanation, though. <laughs> but, but, come on. Hey, tell us more. Why are we being this racist? Well, I mean, look at the picture. He does have slanty eyes. He's a computer! I mean, they could have phrased it differently, but... My gosh. I don't, I don't think he was implying that it was an Asian computer. Really? Oh, no. I saw that. It's so racist. Why? It doesn't look Asian at all. The Ultroids don't seem to be any sort of... Do you really think that in the 1960s, if someone said slanty-eyed, that people weren't going to... Unusual... Even... Okay, so even if it wasn't intended as what racist... What if he said cockeyed? I'd be fine with that. Even if that wasn't intended as racist, don't you think it at least was a really bad choice of words? Yeah, it was weird. That's for sure. I didn't really take it to mean anything. Ixar, I, just, I kind of glossed over it because I was so bored anyway. The Ixar plot... The plot I, just, I, just, I just love that Hawkeye I was like, hey, why don't you tell us what's going on here? Give us some backstory, lady. <laughs> While we're resting in these tubes. The Ixar, the Ixar backstory is horribly, horribly stupid. That's probably not a surprise to anybody. But really, Ixar and this other ruler are the worst rulers ever. If they managed to kill off every single organic being that ever that ever existed on their planet. Yeah, right. What's the point of the two of you fighting anymore? Yeah. What What are you fighting for? I'm exactly? pretty sure the two of you could live on an empty planet together. One of you just walks to the other side of the planet and you never see each other again. I want to know, I want to bring up something from last issue where Black Widow and Captain America were working so hard to crack that one tube and then it's never mentioned again. Well, they didn't do, they didn't manage to succeed. You know, they cracked Wanda's tube. Do you know who had to succeed? Goliath. He's the one that had to get them out of this. Well, yeah, because the tubes were designed for their specific powers, and Ixar didn't know that Goliath had gotten his size-changing abilities back. Which is odd that Ixar doesn't know that, because he seems to have a lot of intel on these people. More <laughs> right? than he should. Right, when he created the fake Scarlet Witch to go uh, yeah. tell them all these things to convince them that she was actually Scarlet Witch, he must have known a lot about the characters. Cap, at one point in time when the Avengers get out, I know you enjoy these, calls for Plan B. Oh, yeah, Plan but, B. But Plan B, Look out. <laughs> plan D doesn't seem to be quite as simplistic as most of their plans. I don't know what it stands for. Well, it stands for defeat. Uh, wait, who's defeat? The Avengers? Exactly. <laughs> so, the Burgermeister, and the fact that the Burgermeister is really Ixar. Yeah. So, we have some issues with this. Do we? When did exactly, when did the... So, Ixar apparently killed the Burgermeister and took his place. So, my first question is, is this, the, besides Zemo, is this the first death we've had in an Avengers comic? Oh, we don't actually see it. True. But it's, a, but I mean, someone died. Yeah, I guess. 
That's unusual. I mean, it wasn't like a derelict ship or anything. <laughs> it wasn't an airplane that needed its tail taken off. But 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 it does make some sense. It's it's kind of funny because Juan and Pietro say a few times in these issues, boy, that Burgermeister, he ran us out of town when we were younger. He hated us. Yeah. And now he's so friendly. Right. So apparently it's not a story of how of how goodness and acceptance can win out over dark, ignorant hatred. It's a story of how sometimes people get killed and replaced by aliens. Right, and you'd think that people from Transia would be like, wait, spaceship, come back. This Burgermeister was so much nicer than the original <laughs> one we had. <laughs> I don't understand how... So Hawkeye figures out that this is not the Burgermeister. It's actually Ixar. Right. We are, we are never... He, I think he makes a remark about it. I'll explain it later. He never explains how he figures that out. Well, it is kind of weird that the Burgermeister is hooked up to the computer. There's not really a valid explanation for why he is. No, but I feel like we should, probably should have gotten some kind of an explanation. And we don't. I still want to know why that cracked tube never came back up again. So many loose ends. The uh, the only other thing I really... I really want to talk about the end of this issue. So do you have anything else to talk about for the end? I have another complaint. You know, I, I mentioned last issue there was a lot of uh, people talking when they should have been thinking things out loud. There's uh, quite a few instances recently where as a character is getting ready to black out, they actually have enough time to tell us, oh my gosh, I'm getting ready to black out, and then they pass out. Who? As you do. Whoever does that? When have you ever been knocked unconscious and went, up? Oh, I'm knocked unconscious, here I go. <laughs> well, I've never actually been knocked unconscious. I'm pretty sure it just happens. I don't think you have time to like give people instructions and tell them where you left your keys and <laughs> make sure they water the plants. <laughs> it, wasn't, it doesn't make any sense. I'm unconscious now. I'm falling down. <laughs> Once again, the Avengers let the bad guy get away. Yeah, that's one of the two things I want to talk okay, about. Okay, well, the first one might lead into that then. It must have been a really awkward ride back to Earth in that flying saucer <laughs> after they came to their surrender terms or whatever. It's no, just been like, right. okay, yeah, well, we're, you're not gonna, we're not going to take your powers. Yeah, we won't kill you. Um, okay. Uh, you got a just, coffee maker on this thing? Take you home. Hey, if you look out the window on your left, you'll see a... <laughs> what do you talk about then? Yeah, so there's two things to talk about. Let's talk about this one first, since you brought it up. How they never defeat anybody? Not just that they don't defeat anybody, but Ixar. Who's clearly a menace to... Clearly a menace... To the galaxy. To the, yeah, not just a menace to Earth, but a menace to any planet he comes across. And someone who is not giving up on his plans. He says at the end... He basically says, I'll go find another planet yeah, to do the same thing. He says there are other worlds, other galaxies, where I may discover weapons to use in my never-ending struggle. Right. He's got to do this again somewhere else, and the Avengers don't care. What is his never-ending struggle? Well, yeah. Where, where's the guy he was fighting against? <laughs> well, obviously, he abandoned the planet. That guy must be like, yeah, I won. <laughs> it's going to be in a rude way. I wonder if that other guy's on the planet by himself, if he's saying things out loud or if he's just thinking them. <laughs> I wonder if he built a ship and went in the other direction to find some secret <laughs> weapon himself. It's just an empty planet now. The Altroids are there. They built this really nice society. There's no war. Yeah, this this is... I mean, the Avengers have let people go before, and I've been like, well, that's... You know, that seems like a bad idea. But, like, when they let the... Um the Incas go after they destroyed their, their <laughs> all-powerful the flame. flame. Yeah. The, they weren't really a threat anymore. Like it seemed like the most likely they scenario really a threat to begin with. <laughs> the most likely scenario was that they'd probably kill each other. Sure, but they're not probably going to kill anybody else. But Ixar is out to kill as many people as he can. Yeah, yeah. I really didn't like that. I know. I also want to say at the very end here that um, Transia seems like it's um, in, in Eastern Europe. <laughs> 
But the authorities speak French. French. Yes, I noticed that as well. That's what forced me to look up where it was actually supposed to be. So I'm not sure why they speak French. It seems like they shouldn't. Yeah, doesn't he say something like, Mon Dieu. Mon Dieu. Do they have a French Foreign Legion as their police force? Mon Dieu. He just come into Earth a short distance outside the village. Perhaps they're in that part of Eastern Europe that's kind of like part French, part German, part like Switzerland, part French, part German, part Italian. Maybe the borderlands there. I, it's a shame that he's gone now because I was hoping when this was eventually filmed as the plot for Avengers three, <laughs> they could have got Jerry Orbach to voice the uh, the French guy, the guy that voiced uh, Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. Jerry Orbach did that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's Jerry Orbach. Interesting. A little bit of Beauty and the Beast trivia for everybody. Well, you know, Marvel's owned by Disney now, so there you go. But I don't even think Disney can put people back from the dead. It's a whole new world. So, the last thing, of course, to speak about here for me is the way the Black Widow solves the problem of this issue. You mentioned that this will come back again and again and mm. again. I'm not an Avenger. I it comes a, up soon, doesn't it? In about 10, 12 issues with the Black Knight? 10, 12. No, that's like is issue that, 89. Oh, was it 80s? No, I think it was in the 40s. I think it's in the 80s. So Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it should be the Grandmaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not an Avenger. I, I'm a huge fan of the Black Widow. Even I like the Black Widow even more than I like Dr. Pam. Really? Yes. Like overall? Yes. She's oh. one of my favorite characters. She's my favorite superheroine in the Marvel Universe and one of my favorite characters hands down in the Marvel Universe. Oh. It's hard to get that from these issues. Well, yeah, she's not really the Black Widow yet. But this, the way she does this, where she's basically like, dude, I have no problem splattering your brains against the control <laughs> yeah. panel. And, and I'm someone, here's the it's thing. It's very um, Marvel movie Black Widow. Yes. Her. It's more modern. It's definitely more modern Black yeah, Widow. Yeah. I like, and I, so I'm amazed and thrilled that they did this in the 60s. When Marvel doesn't like to kill anybody, but they won't even kill planes, and yet they're willing to, <laughs> they're willing to have her do this. And it makes sense. See, the thing is this, I, I'm not really a fan of the overly violent superheroes. No. I, I, I like superheroes that, that want to help people and save people. That being said, the Black Widow is not a superhero, especially at this point in time. She's a spy. This is what she's trained to do. This is how she solves problems. And so I thought it was amazing. My problem with it is twofold. Ooh. Onefold is that Hawkeye is there the entire time. I'm a little surprised he doesn't have more problems with this. He mentions a cut. He mentions at the end. Phew! Thank goodness the other Avengers were unconscious. So they didn't see what Natasha did. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. He- He's, he's morally uh, uh, ambiguous when there's no one around to see him. Well, I mean, he was a former villain, accidentally. That's true, but in we'll get to West Coast Avengers issues eventually, where his then-wife, Mockingbird, lets someone die, does not kill them. Right, and he gets lets really them upset die, about it. And he gets horribly upset about yeah. it. And we'll, that'll be a very interesting discussion when we get there. But it, So it seems odd here that he's willing to let it go. My other concern, though, twofold, is that the Avengers <laughs> aren't all unconscious. Like, two panels before this happens, they're chatting with the Scarlet Witch. She's right there, talking with them. The other Avengers may be knocked out, but the Scarlet Witch is very much alive and awake when this is all going on. Is that... Is she supposed to be? Wait, is that Captain America's foot there on the next page? Oh no, that's Hawkeye's foot. Yeah, the, the, the Scarlet Witch is the only one. Everyone else, I can believe, may be unconscious. But wait, but Scarlet Witch got recaptured. She? Why is she not? Is she in the tube in that frame? No, she's right there because she she's the oh. only one left. Yeah, he's just put her in the tube. Uh, but she's awake. She oh, may be in the tube, weird. but she's awake. Huh? Yeah. I guess, oh yeah, that's her hands. Her hands are up like this. Everybody else is knocked out, but not her. So nobody she, believe her anyway. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> Scarlet girl. Witch. <laughs> so anyway. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, are there any bullpen bulletins you care about? There are. Okay. We they mentioned in the bullpen bulletins that Roy Thomas is writing four books now. 
That didn't take long. No, not at all. Stanley obviously took the opportunity to get rid of as many books he didn't like as he could. From what I remember reading a little bit about Roy Thomas, he says that he gets overwhelmed with the writing pretty quickly, and that's why he becomes an editor then. Yeah, well, and, and apparently he's so busy writing the books that he was... Some, the idea was that Roy Thomas was going to take some of the work off Stan. Right. He is writing so many books that that's not happening, and this is where I found out that they hired Gary Friedrich to do what Roy was originally hired to do. Right. And he will also eventually become a writer of books in sure. Marvel. Though, to be fair, most, especially at this point in time, almost all the Marvel editors also wrote for them. You'll eventually get to a point where that's not the case, but I think most editors in general, maybe not anymore. I think most of them started out as writers, didn't they? Well, they did at this point in time, but I guess now, like, Axel Alonso doesn't write. Uh, Tom Tom Brevor is not a writer. Dave Didier is not a writer, despite how many books he puts his name on. Uh, that's not fair. It's not fair that he keeps putting his name on books. <laughs> um, anyway. That's why we're doing a Marvel podcast. They do mention when they're talking about their different characters. So on the Bullpen Bulletins, they do item, and they talk about something, and it's always superhero stuff, but they have an item here for their new um, comic, The Ghost Rider. This was a Western hero. Most people know The Ghost Rider from the Nicolas Cage movies, but The Ghost Rider was originally... That's where most people know it from. (laughs) Well, they know it more from that than they do in the comic books. I think they probably actually know it more from the comics. The Ghost Rider was originally a a Western hero. He was a guy who basically wore... uh, an all like I don't want to say a suit, but wore this this <laughs> this full length. It was it was like a white cowboy suit with a like a white and cowboy a, suit and a hat. with a cape and a hat. Yeah, and he doused himself in chemicals so that he <laughs> sure glowed, so that he glowed in the dark. <laughs> I think he just doused himself in whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> the idea was. People thought he was a ghost. The idea is he was trying to fool people into thinking he was really a phantom. Uh, he will also we'll see his we'll see him actually in those West Coast Adventures yeah, issues that we were just talking about. That's the one that Mockingbird lets die. He's an interesting character, and I'm, I'm anxious to get into more of them. But I thought it was interesting. Because Although at that point, isn't he called Phantom Rider? Phantom Rider, because, because the actual Ghost Rider, the Skull Guy on the motorcycle. Yes, um, but th- this suggests that there was some crossover. That they thought that their superhero fans would read westerns. Of course, no, everyone knows that's not true now. Superhero fans don't read anything. But superheroes, but at the time... And they don't give up on it quickly because... No, they do not. Uh, it's Two-Gun Kid, right? Two-Gun Kid becomes an actual Avengers reserve member at some point with yes. those weird time-traveling crossovers that they do. I don't know what good it is to have a reserve member who's stuck a hundred-something years in the past, but hey, whatever. And everything else I have is letters. You? I have one letter. Go for it. I, I just wanted to say how this proves how horrible this issue was. That the most interesting letter is the one from someone pretending to be Irving Forbush's cousin. Asking that they stop talking about him because he's getting a big head. Seymour Forbish. Horrible. You know, there's two letters here that I thought were interesting. One letter suggests that they have a rotating Avengers lineup. That's actually something that the Avengers will do when John Byrne takes over the book around issues 306, I think. Kind of what they did when Hickman took over with the Avengers world idea, too. Yeah, so this is a, that's an idea. At, at this point in time, it's being poo-pooed, and let's be honest... You've got ten Avengers. I'm not sure how much rotating you could really do. Though, they did that. And that's basically what they did in Justice League. In the old Justice League of America title, really, once they had, like, ten or twelve members in that title, they would just rotate the, you know, four or five every issue. And kind of what they've been doing these issues with Silver and Scarlet Witch leaving and then Goliath and Wasp coming back and kind of juggling that scenario. I'm not really a big fan of a rotating membership because I like the idea of getting a group and seeing how they interact. Yeah. 
And, and the thing with the Avengers is, as we've talked about so many times, their membership is so fluid that, as you say, even these issues, when technically we've got a static membership of six members, we've almost never had those six members in the book at any one time. So, And there's someone who writes in suggesting that they take the sound effects out of the books. He says the sound effects are annoying. I don't even notice the sound effects I, most of the time. Yeah, I think we've been reading comics too long. <laughs> Apparently. Every once in a while, I'll actually read one of the sound effects, and I'll think, and I'll try and, have you ever done it, read, try to say it out loud just to see what it sounds like? Be like, I don't think that's what that would sound like. I have nothing else. You? I, no, I've got nothing. MVP? Hawkeye. And the Black Widow. Okay, yeah. I was going to get Hawkeye just for figuring out who the bad guy was. I, I have Hawkeye and the Black and Widow. And the Black Widow for I, actually making something happen. I give it to the two of them. I think this issue, more than any other, makes me think, I want to read more of these two together. These two are great together. Hawkeye and the Black Widow may be the no-power Avengers, but in this issue, in my opinion, they're the most interesting. Sure. Useless character? Um, Scarlet Witch. Uh, did she, she actually got recaptured. Yeah. She was captured, she got out, and then she was recaptured. Come on. I actually, I don't feel like there is a useless character in this issue. I think this issue, of all the issues we've done so far, and again, maybe this is where we see Roy Thomas coming in, I feel like everyone gets their chance in this issue. You know, when when Stanley had six characters in a book, he didn't know what to do with them. And when, you know, when these six were in the book back in, like, issue in the late 20s, before the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver took off, nothing happened. He, he didn't know what to do. Yeah. And Scarlet I Scarlet like, Witch and Quicksilver went into the background quickly. And I feel like this issue, that doesn't happen. Yes, Wanda does get recaptured, but she actually gets to fight this issue. Yeah. She gets a chance to do some stuff. I'm not saying it's amazing. None of them really did anything. But I feel like Roy Thomas gave them each moments, and, and so I'm going to... I feel even the women in this issue are treated pretty well. Of course, Blackwood is treated amazingly well since she solves everybody's problem. But I think everybody's treated pretty well, so I'm giving it nobody. Okay. Uh, Avengers level threat? Nope. Yep. Oh boy. Still so no. thready. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, final grade. Uh, I gave it a C minus because it actually got worse than the last issue. I gave it a C plus mostly because I like the ending. I like the the, the black the, widow the idea stuff. of the ending. I don't like the ending. Let's let Ixar go off and terrorize the universe. I can't say I agree with that at all. So that's it. Yeah. That's it. Do we need to vamp some wives? Some songs I could sing. I have a scene from Henry the Fifth. I was no, going to do. We're okay. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to be doing issues thirty-eight and thirty-nine. What you said? You you mentioned you were reading ahead. Can you tell me what happens? No. Can you tell me who's in it? Nope. Oh wait, yeah, I do know who's in it. Hercules. So we get a new and, and the Enchantress. This will be the first time we've seen Hercules since he showed up in issue number 10 when Amortis summoned him. <laughs> yeah. Don't think it's the same Hercules. Although maybe this is the first instance of Roy Thomas taking a character that had already appeared and, and reshaping him. I don't think that's the case. Was Hercules in a... He's been in Marvel before this. Was he in Thor before this? I think he popped up in Thor before yeah. this, yes. So I'm excited. I'm excited for something different. They, 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 at least we've got more interesting... We've got the Enchantress. We've got... Uh, in the in the following issue, it looks like we have another name villain, but one we haven't seen in the Avengers before. So I'm excited to... to I think the big problem with this these issues were the villains. Yeah, it's fun to see characters come in now with their first appearances in Avengers comics that you know are going to be around for a while because you want to see how they first came in, but... But these throwaway things are uh, they really drag on you. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. So we will see you in uh we will see you in next week with issues thirty eight and thirty nine. Yeah. Do we have anything to tell the fine people? Uh well I wanna reiterate like we did last episode, uh, if you have anything you want to tell us, things you like, things you don't, things you want us to change, things you want us to work on, things we need to improve, uh, send us an email, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, leave comments, go on iTunes. Give us some sort of rating reviews so we can move our way up the list there. Uh, anything you need to find contact-wise is on AvengingHour.com. 
I got nothing else. All right, great. Great. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason. I'm John. Have a good one. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.